0: Good morning. Uh, My name is Giles Blankenship, and I'm not greeting the gathered church this morning. I am greeting the scattered church this morning. Whether you are joining us on live stream or on radio, I want to say a word of welcome to you. And we are glad uh, that you have gathered where you are uh, to worship, because that is why we are here. We are here to worship the God who brings dead things back to life the God who um, is never late. The God on whom we can always count. Amen? Amen. Amen? Amen. All right, now, so I want you to be prepared to worship with us this morning. And uh, we're getting ready to flash on the screen a list of our songs today. And I want to flash those. Go ahead and flash those up there on, on your screens there at home. and Because I want you to have... Uh, the list of songs so you can find the words on your devices and sing along with us. Go ahead and, and put that, that list up there. Um, we might not have the list. We had the list. Anyway, we're going to do the songs Yes I Will by Vertical Worship. We're going to do a song called The Reason by Travis Cottrell. Uh, we're going to do the song Chainbreaker Breaker by Zach Williams. Break Every Chain by Tasha Cobb and His Mercy is More, written by Matt Papa and Matt Boswell. And so I wanted you to have that in front of you, screenshot, and you can worship with us and find those words and be with us this morning. And so, it is good to be in houses of the Lord all across the world. And so, oh God, we come to you, the God God, Was never late. The God who is always on time. In Jesus' name.
1: The song goes on. Yeah, no. I will lift my hands up. I will raise my voice high. I will.
2: I want to say welcome to everyone that's here and who is uh, watching by live stream and by um, and listening by the radio. We are glad that you're joining us. Um, we are Snyder Memorial Baptist Church, and we are the scattered church today, and we want to go ahead and make some announcements, but I'm going to start with um, something that was written 25 years ago. There was Operation Desert Storm in Saudi Arabia and Kuwait. There was Operation Restore Hope in Somalia and Operation Uphold D- Democracy in Haiti. And now there is Operation Inasmuch in Fayetteville, 25 years ago. And so watch this video uh, with me just for a moment here. can still sign up today but you need to go online. We are going to continue um, at this point with Operation In As Much Blitz Day on March 28th. We feel it's important that the church still be the hands and feet in our community even when um, this pandemic is going on. There'll be small groups but they'll be reaching out and we're looking for other ways like um, serving our school children who may need some food during this time or helping our elderly get the supplies that they need. So we are on um, being the hands and feet of Christ, even through all of this. And so you can still sign up to help with the project by going to SnyderMBC.com. As soon as the page comes up, you'll see there where it says to sign up for operation in as much. The only other announcement is that we still are planning on doing uh, this Spring Grounds Work Day uh, this next Saturday. Um, But be sure and check our website and our Facebook page uh, for any changes in the schedule, and uh, we'll let you know what's going on as we uh, approach this unknown uh, in our lives. Thank you.
0: Thanks, Susie. Thanks, Susie. There's so many ways that that we can still um, and day to day be a part of going out into our our neighborhoods, in our community, uh, and around the world, um, showing people that there is power in the name of Jesus to break chains. Uh, The chains that we put on ourselves, the chains uh, that other people put on us, um, but power to break chains.
3: If you've been walking the same old road, for miles and miles If you've been here in the same old voice tell the same old lie and If you're trying to fill the same old holes inside There's a better lie There's a better lie If you've got pain He's a pain taker If you feel old. He's a way maker. If you need freedom or saving, He's a prison shaking savior. You got chains, He's a chain breaker. We've all searched for the light of day in the dead of night. We've all found ourselves worn out from the same old fight. We've all run things we know just ain't right When there's a better lie There's a better lie If you got pain There's a pain taker If you feel alone Jane. He's a chain breaker. If you believe it. you believe it, if you receive it, if you can feel it. Somebody testify. If you believe it, if you receive it can feel it somebody, somebody testify testify He's a chain breaker
0: words with us. There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. Whatever's holding you back, whatever's holding you down, there is power in the name.
1: Chain to break every chain, break every chain, break every
0: the things that bind us, that you would break those chains today with the same power that brought Lazarus from the grave, with the same power that raised you from the dead. Give us life in Jesus' name. Amen.
4: What a timely message for all of us today. We are living in some very challenging and uncertain times. It's a time for us to exercise wisdom, a time for us to be people of prayer, and it's a time for us as God's people to live out our faith. We serve a God who is sovereign, who's in control of all things. He knows where this virus came from. He knows how it's going to play out. He knows how everything's going to play out all around the world and here in our country, so there is no one more worthy of our worship this morning and our trust in the days ahead than our Heavenly Father. I didn't have time to change my message uh, given the circumstances today, and I will tell you that I believe that the message that God put on my heart weeks ago is very timely for us today. So if you would, take your Bibles and turn with me to John's Gospel, and please stand for the reading of God's Holy Word. John chapter 11, a familiar passage and one I think very timely for us today. John 11, beginning with verse 38, Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he's been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Take off the grave clothes and let him live. This is the word of God for the people of God. God. If Jesus can do nothing about death, then whatever else he can do amounts to nothing. The Bible says it this way in 1 Corinthians 15 19. If only for this life we have hope in Christ. We are to be pitied more than all men. If our faith is so temporary that it does not outlast our lives on this earth, then what do we really have? If Christ can do nothing about death, then whatever else he can do means nothing. Of all of Jesus' miracles, this one is probably the biggest and most consequential. This is the last. John, John records only seven of Jesus' miracles. This is the last of the seven that John records in his gospel. It's also the longest recorded uh, miracle in John's gospel, the most elaborately explained miracle that we find in his gospel. And its results are the most momentous. This really was the final nail in Jesus' coffin. If, if you read the next three verses after this, a lot of people believed, I mean, quite a miracle. When a dead man comes out of a tomb and he's got the linen clothes, they've got to take the clothes off and let him go. I mean, it is a miracle nobody had ever seen done before. Jesus had raised a couple other people uh, to life a day or so after. This was, this was very significant, however. And, and so some of them, even though they saw that, ran away to the high priest and said, man, we've got to get this guy. And so if you read a little further in John's Gospel, this was the event that caused Caiaphas, the high priest, to say, we've got to, we've got to take, take this guy out. And so you'll read in the scripture, verse 53, so from that time on, from that day on, they plotted to take his life. And so this was the final nail in Jesus' coffin in terms of his life here on this earth. Just a few verses before this, Jesus had just said to Martha that the power of the resurrection was within his authority. That's a pretty bold promise. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. His greatest promise required his greatest sign. Keep in mind that when John wrote his gospel, he tells us at the very end why he wrote it. Many other uh, miracles that Jesus performed in the presence of his disciples that are not recorded in this book. But these are recorded that you may know that Jesus is the Christ and that believing, you may have life in his name. And so John is writing with a very specific purpose. And this sign that Jesus performs, this raising Lazarus from the dead, became the final sign It was the greatest sign that backed up the greatest promise. And incidentally, it happened to be the death of one of Jesus' close friends, a, a, a man named Lazarus, that provided the opportunity for Jesus to perform this particular sign. Let's go back and look at the context for just a second. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus lived in Bethany. They were probably, they were as much a family to Jesus as any other family there. And Bethany, their home was probably as much a home as he had during his, during his public ministry. This was, this was home base. Uh, for Jesus. And so Lazarus' death would have no doubt impacted him very, very deeply. In fact, the shortest verse in the Bible, John 11, 35, two, two words, Jesus wept. And so during this narrative, not part of our text this morning, but in the general narrative, Jesus was so grieved with the loss of his friend Lazarus that our Savior experienced that human emotion that we do of, of sadness, and he literally wept. Now, the custom for Jewish uh, mourning was fairly established. It was, it was pretty, uh, it had happened the same way every time within the Jewish community. Uh, the deceased was usually buried the same day. Think about the climate of that day. This is Middle East. Uh, they didn't have embalming and things. You didn't, you didn't have that body hanging around for very long. And So usually, the, the deceased Jewish person was buried that same day. As long as the body was in the house, there was no uh, preparing or eating of food. There was no mention of food, nothing going to happen like that. Once the body was carried out, all of the furniture in the house was turned outward. So normally in our homes, we have all the chairs and things facing each other. Uh, In a Jewish home, at the moment of death, all the furniture is turned outward, and people either sat on the floor or on a very low stool. That was part of of the grieving process. On return from the tomb, some, fam- some friends of the family would have provided a, prepared a meal outside that home or maybe finished it up in the home, and it would have been ready for the family when they got back from the tomb to have some, some nourishment for their bodies. There was a period of very deep mourning for seven days, and when I say deep mourning, uh, it, was, it was pretty significant. This was not just sitting around in quiet. There was, there was shrieking and loud wailing, and it, just was a part of the, it, it was a part of the culture that day. They were forbidden uh, to wash, they could not anoint themselves, they could not put their shoes on, there was no traveling going on, uh, and they could not study. And so it was was seven intense days of mourning there at at the location, followed by 30 days of lighter mourning. But visits from family and friends within the Jewish community, it was expected, it was kind of a religious duty to come together as God's people to mourn, Uh, the death of one of their own and so I I I lay that context out for you this morning to say that when Jesus arrived four days after Lazarus death they would have been right in the middle of this very serious period of of deep mourning there would have been a lot of mourners there there would have been a lot of noise a lot of of the shrieking and and the loud wailing which by the way they believe showed more honor to the deceased uh, to Lazarus in this particular situation. And so Jesus is coming on, on that scene, and that's the context as he steps there. Now Mary and Martha, both they, they met with Jesus separately, Martha first and, and Mary second. Uh, they were both frustrated. I could say that. They, they were both frustrated a little bit with Jesus, and they basically said uh, the same thing. Uh, Lord, if, if you had only been here, I mean, you could have taken care of this. I mean, maybe our brother wouldn't be dead. Maybe you could have—you've you've, you've healed a lot of people of the sickness. Maybe you could have helped him, uh, you know, kind of get over the sickness, and we wouldn't be in this situation of wailing. And the Bible tells us he was about a day's journey away. I don't know exactly where he was. So what that means is once Lazarus died, it would have taken a messenger, whoever that person was, about a day's journey to get to Jesus— Had Jesus received that news and returned right away, it would have been two days. But the Bible tells us that he delayed two more days before he left. And and most of the commentaries will tell you, and I believe it's very possibly true, the Jewish people believed that when a person died and even once he was buried in the tomb, that that person's spirit hovered in the area of the tomb for about three days. But after three days, it was obviously official, the person was dead, and the spirit would have departed. And so by Jesus delaying two days, we now have four days since Lazarus had been dead. The scripture tells us that this morning. Four days, the spirit's gone, Lazarus is dead, the body's decaying, there's really uh, no hope. And so that's why Martha balked when Jesus told them to move the stone. Now, this is the same Martha said, well, Lord, we know you can do anything. If you just ask the Father, we know you're very powerful. This is this woman of faith, and all of a sudden, when it comes time to exercise that faith, when it times time to roll that stone away from the front of the tomb, Martha says, oh, wait a second, Jesus, there's going to be a bad odor coming out of that, out of that place. Uh, and so Jesus, they, they move the stone. Uh, Jesus calls Lazarus by name, and he tells him to come out. One of the translations I found this week said, get out of there. Uh, It was a very bold, almost a command. I'm going to use the word invitation because we're talking about invitations uh, during our series uh, this, this particular spring. But I have heard many times before, and some of you have heard as well, that if Jesus had not specified Lazarus by name, the cemetery could have come out. It would have been wide open. There would have been dead people walking all over the place because Jesus has that kind of authority. We find that out from our scripture today. But he called Lazarus by name, and Lazarus came out, uh, bound in linens. And you know the head was wrapped separately. We know that from Jesus' uh, empty tomb. They found the linen clothes and then they found the, the other uh, head thing uh, folded separately uh, there. So Lazarus came out with all these linen clothes and, and Jesus told the people that were there to take the grave clothes off and let him let him live. So we could look at this and say, wow, that's an awesome story. It's I believe it, it happened 2,000 years ago, but that this invitation to come out from the dead Uh, is really only applies to Lazarus and that would be easy for us to conclude that and I want to suggest to you this morning that nothing could be further from the truth that this invitation that Jesus extended to Lazarus to rise from the dead if you will uh, is very applicable to you and to me today it's an invitation to life it's an invitation to live and Jesus tells us in John's gospel the 10th chapter I have come that they may have life we may have life And that we may have it to the full, or we may have it abundantly. And I I reference that scripture many times. Uh, We too often are not living the abundant life that Christ came to bring. But he's a chain breaker. He's also a life giver. We have no quality of life. We have no eternal life apart from the presence and the invitation of Jesus to each of us. And so the first thing I would say uh, to us this morning is that Jesus invites us to live spiritually spiritually. Anyone without Christ is spiritually dead. And I don't think we grasp that reality, that truth, unless we understand what, what the Scripture says. And the Scripture is very clear. If we look at the book of Ephesians, the second chapter, I'm going to read the first six verses. By the way, these are the verses that lead up to those verses that say, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest so anyone boast." Listen to what Paul writes to us in Ephesians chapter 2, beginning with the first verse. God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. And then it goes on to do those verses I talked about. You and I need to understand that in today's world, and in, in, for all generations, until we receive the gift of eternal life by faith in Jesus Christ, we are spiritually dead. And so Jesus in his coming, and Jesus today is inviting people from, from death, spiritual death, into spiritual life. We may be physically alive. You may be, see people that have lived 60, 80, 100 years on this earth and physically alive. But if they've never placed their faith in Jesus Christ, you and I are spiritually dead. And so part of Jesus' invitation to us this morning is the spiritual life. That's the point that Jesus was making to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. Jesus sees the authority with which Jesus, uh, Nicodemus saw the authority with which Jesus was teaching. Uh, He was drawn to Jesus. He went to him at night. He's got some questions. He's got some honest questions. He recognizes that Jesus is someone special, and he talks about kingdom of God, and Jesus says, you've got to be born again, and Nicodemus says, I'm a little confused here. I've already been born, I'm an adult, I can't go back in my mother's womb, something's not, something's not right here. And Jesus explains to him, he's talking about spiritual birth, that until Nicodemus, until you and I are spiritually born, we cannot inherit the kingdom of God. We will, we will remain spiritually dead for the duration of eternity, until and unless we embrace Christ as Savior and Lord. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter five seventeen. if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creature. The old has passed, behold, the new has come. And so it's, it's, we don't just become a Christian and get a little bit better cleaned up from what we used to be. We don't, uh, don't become a little more religious. We become a new creature. It is a, a creation that God has made, and what he's doing is, is giving us spiritual life. And so Jesus' invitation, even though he sent it to Lazarus 2,000 years ago to step out of that grave, his invitation to us today is to step out of the state of spiritual death and to live spiritually. Jesus invites us to spiritual life. It's the beginning of the eternal life he came to bring. And so take off the grave clothes, Jesus is saying, and live. Don't live in spiritual death. Take the grave clothes off and let him go. Jesus also invites us to look forward to our bodily resurrection one day. And I see this there. I've I've talked to many people about uh, bodily resurrection. In fact, at the graveside, it's, it's a very... There's a sense of finality when you get to the gravesite with family. Or it could be the columbarium here where, where we lay the ashes of, of folks that have been cremated. Um, it's, a very, it's a final sense. We're gonna put that body in the ground so the last time we see that coffin or that urn in which our loved one's body is laying or the loved one's ashes are, it can be a difficult moment. And so I focus on this whole bodily resurrection there. I wanna share with you a couple of the scriptures that I share at gravesite. One of those is 1 Thessalonians chapter four. And the context of this First uh, Thessalonians written one of the earlier letters that Paul wrote. Jesus had promised to come back and to take everybody to heaven. And, and so people were expecting in the first century, at right, the first century Christians, that Jesus was going to come back in their lifetime. And what happened was Christians, believers, began to die. And the question arose, well, what happens to these believers? I mean, they placed their faith and you didn't come back yet, so what, what happens to them? This is the answer that God gives to us today through the apostle Paul. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. That's a bodily resurrection. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we shall always be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. And so what Paul is telling us, what the Bible's telling us, is that there will be a bodily resurrection one day. Now, I think it's awesome. We receive a lot of promises the very moment we die as a Christian. Our soul, in fact, it says that God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Our soul goes to be with the Lord immediately. But the body will remain in the cemetery, or in some cases, a pilot in my early church shot down in World War II. His mother grieved that she never got a body. He's in an aircraft somewhere at the bottom of an ocean. And I assured her that Revelation says that even the sea will give up their dead. And so the day is coming, and it's reserved for all of us. We receive some of those promises immediately. We don't go into limbo somewhere. We go immediately to be with the Lord, our soul, the real us. But our body will remain in the the ground or in in the columbarium or wherever we're buried until the day that Christ comes back, and that's when the bodily resurrection will take place. That's according to Scripture here and in other places. The dead in Christ will rise first, and then we're all going to be with the Lord for all eternity. It is a wonderful promise. And so Jesus, in his invitation to Lazarus, is inviting us to look forward to our own bodily resurrection one day. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 expounds on this a little bit more. By the way, if you want to to learn about resurrection and there's only one chapter in the Bible to do it, look at this chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Here's what it says in part. But someone may ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? How foolish. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body as he has determined, and to each kind of seed he gives its own body. So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. I declare to you, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So think with me for just a moment. After Jesus' resurrection, the disciples were in an upper room, fearing for their very lives. Door is locked, and Jesus shows up. Wasn't a ghost. He didn't fly through the window. But the resurrected body was spiritual. It's not a physical body anymore. It's a spiritual body. Recognizable. It's Jesus. But it's no longer bound by the physical limitations that bind our bodies in today's world. We will get a body just like that, according to Scripture. Our body will be raised in glory. It'll be raised in power. It'll be imperishable. It'll be a spiritual body. It'll be just like the body Jesus has to this day for all eternity. And so Jesus is inviting us and inviting Lazarus to come out of the tomb to anticipate with great excitement the day that we will receive that kind of body. No more cancer, no more of the limitations that you and I experience in this world. We will experience uh, that same kind of body. One more passage from John's Gospel, from Jesus' own words, John chapter 5. Jesus speaking, I tell you the truth, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good will rise to live. Those who have done evil will be rise to be condemned. We need to, Don't be careful about getting into the works thing there. Just know that the time is coming when Jesus said, Lazarus, come out. His his voice is going to come. When he comes back, we get that trumpet call and the voice of the archangel, and Jesus is going to say, come out. And graves all over this entire world are going to open up in that instant in time, and all of us who have placed our faith in Jesus Christ will receive the bodily resurrection. And so Jesus is inviting us today to look forward with excitement. Live for sure for now, but look forward with excitement to the day that our bodies will be bodily resurrected just as Lazarus was and just as Jesus was in, in the days to follow. And finally, Jesus invites us to live today without any fear of death. What a very timely message for today. Death is easy to fear, is it not? It's part of what's driving hysteria in our world today. And people have died. Lots of people have died already in other countries. Some, tens of people have died in our country from this specific coronavirus. But the Bible tells us as Christians not to fear death. The Bible tells us death is our final enemy. That's how the Bible describes death. It's the last enemy you and I will face on this earth. We may face a lot between now and then, but the last thing that we will face, the last enemy according to Scripture that we'll face on this earth is death itself. Death is the worst that Satan can do to us. And you and I know he was very much involved in the plot to kill Jesus. The Scripture tells us he entered Judas after Jesus took that bread at the the Last Supper. Satan was very much involved in the plot to take Jesus out. The religious leaders were. They were done with Jesus. Kaiva said, I'm done with this guy. He's, he's messing our whole thing up. He's got people following him. we got to get rid of this guy. And so they thought if they could just get him dead, it was the end, and then they could move on with their life as they knew it before. The Bible tells us, do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can, can destroy both soul and body in hell. In other words, our fear should be only of God, and it ought to be a reverential fear, a reverential respect for him and his power over all eternity. We sang last week in this early service the song, In Christ Alone, and I, that last verse has been ringing in my mind all week, and so I wanted to share it with you again. A beautiful, powerful song. Here's what the last verse of In Christ Alone says. No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand. Till he returns or calls me home, here in the power of Christ I'll stand. Folks, that's where we're standing today. Regardless of what's going on in our world, regardless of what's going on in our country, regardless of what's going on in our community, you and I, as believers in Jesus Christ, stand in the power of Christ each and every day. I have told you before, stories of my grandsons. My favorite time is, is our time of devotion. I'm the one who puts them to bed. I, I volunteer for that task. In fact, I tell everybody else to stay away. And I take uh, Carson and Caleb up to the little room. It's the, it's the middle bedroom upstairs, and they have little pallets on the floor in a T-shape. And we now, I bought them recently... Uh, a children's Bible so they have their own Bible now we sit we sit down there one sitting on each side of me We're sitting on the floor leaning up against the bed and we read a Bible story and, and we read the story of the Garden of Eden and and how Adam and Eve Disobeyed God and they were thrown out of the garden. And I, I finished that story. It's got a picture on every page It's a perfect child's Bible and and we got to the end and Caleb four years old said that's really sad and I said that is sad buddy and then Carson said well why you know why did, why did that, why did they do that? And I said, well, buddy, Satan, you know, Satan came along after Jesus put them in that garden, and he, and he tempted them to go ahead and eat that fruit. They, hey, God's not telling you the truth. God's holding something back from you, and uh, I finished trying the explanation. I'm trying to be with a four- and six-year-old and explaining these things, and Carson says to me, who's Satan? I'm thinking, oh, man. I said, buddy, Satan is, is God's worst enemy. He's the one who gets us to disobey God. He said, oh, you mean the devil, I said, well, I stand corrected. We'll just call him the devil as we, as we move forward. And so we moved into prayer time. And I'm, I'm almost going to tear I'm telling you this, this story. Um, I'm lying on the floor. We're in the dark. And Carson's praying. And he says, Jesus. He always says, and Jesus. If once he started his prayer, it's Jesus. And then he gets to and Jesus for the extra stuff. He said, I, got, I wrote it down. And Jesus, thank you that we don't have to be afraid of the devil because you are more powerful. And then he paused for a second, and he said, you are. And I thought to myself, where does a six-year-old get this theology? Because we hadn't talked about God's power. We had talked about Adam and Eve disobeying God. We had talked about, uh, you know, the consequences of sin. We had talked about the devil, you know, tries to get us to disobey God. We hadn't mentioned the word power all night. But my six-year-old grandson, in his prayer, talking to Jesus, warms my heart. Thanking that we don't have to be afraid of the devil, because you're more powerful. Well, that'll preach today, won't it? God's resurrection power is available to his children now. To you and me today. We don't need to fear anything. We don't need to fear deployments. We don't need to fear cancer. We don't need to fear aging. We don't need to fear terminal illness. We don't need to fear the coronavirus. virus. We don't need to fear death itself. Our life as believers is in God's hands. We're not meant to live here forever. I don't want to live here forever. We're going home to heaven. And, folks, death for the Christian is the door to heaven. It's the door to the presence of the Lord and Savior that you and I are here this morning to worship. We get to go home, and we get to be home for the rest of our lives. What's to fear? What's to fear? And so when Lazarus walked out of that tomb and Jesus said, take off the grave clothes and let him live, Jesus is inviting us today to live without fear of death. Take the grave clothes off and go. Go and live the abundant life that Jesus Christ has come to give us. Generations of Christians, 2,000 years now, have faced death without fear since Jesus emptied the tomb. And so Lazarus became living proof of God's power over death. Lazarus literally was a dead man walking. And God's purpose, my friends, is that every one of us should also be living proof of that same power. We need to be living the abundant life, a transformed life that has taken us out of spiritual death to spiritual life, so that anybody who comes in contact with us sees that we have something different. We have a power in us that they cannot explain unexplainable peace in the, in the troubled world, including in this virus, real hope in the face of death. We have something that the rest of the world without Christ does not have, and God's purpose is that we live that out, that people can see it, that people can come to believe in our Jesus as well. The Bible says that many believed when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. How could you not? You're sitting there at the cemetery, and out he comes with his grave clothes on. Many believed, but the Bible also says that others refused to believe, and they went back and reported the Sanhedrin and the Caiaphas. Guess what Jesus is doing now? Well, Jesus told us in Luke's gospel if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone raises from the dead. That's from the story of Lazarus and the rich man. But, folks, here's the point some will, some will believe. And so as you and I live out our faith in these troubled times, as you and I live with the peace and the hope and the comfort and the assurance that is ours only because of our relationship with Christ, the world's going to take notice. And many will come to know Jesus as Savior and Lord because of that power that lives in us today. And so Jesus invites us to live, to live freely and to live fully, to be born again spiritually, to live free from the fear of death, and to look forward to our own resurrection when Christ returns if Jesus can do nothing about death then whatever else he can do amounts to nothing but he does have power over death and so do we let's pray together father what a powerful story what a powerful savior It's incomprehensible to us that anyone has the power over death. And yet, as my six-year-old grandson reminded me a couple weeks ago, you do. You're the only one who does. You're the only one who can give us the hope and the peace and and the future that that we desperately want and desperately need. And so, Father, thank you that you have authority over life and death. And I pray, Father, that as we listen to your message this morning, that those who are living in spiritual death right now, those who have never received Christ as Savior and Lord, will hear your words of life and will come out of the tomb. They'll come out of spiritual death into spiritual life. And, Father, we thank you for the day that our bodies will be resurrected one day. What a a joyous thing to look forward to one day, to have a body like your own Son, Jesus. And Father, thank you for reminding us today that we don't need to live in fear of anything, including death. Thank you for being the powerful, awesome, wonderful, loving God that you are. In Jesus' name, amen. So I know that many of you were tuned in uh, live stream. Uh, others of you were listening by radio. Uh, there, there's an invitation here for all of us. There's an invitation for anyone who has never placed their faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord to trust him today you can come from the state of spiritual death into the state of eternal spiritual life. You'll never die again. You'll spend the rest of your days on this earth and you'll spend all of eternity with Jesus in your life. I wanna wanna encourage you to make that decision this morning. Some of you, all of us, many of us are afraid. These are troubling times. There are people all around us that are afraid. The grocery stores are packed. People are buying stuff they don't need and probably will never use. And there's reason to be afraid. This virus is deadly. But for those of us who are in Christ, we don't need to be afraid of anything, including death. So I would encourage you to claim the power of Christ that lives in you, the resurrected Christ who lives in you and me every day, and not live in fear anymore. We know that some of you may be looking for a church home, and Snyder may be the place Or after this is all over, you'll come back and say, I want to be a part of this church that believes in Jesus and lives for him and makes a difference for him. We'd love to invite you to do this as well. I know that God is speaking to you and to your heart, and I pray that you'll listen to his voice and that you'll respond.
0: What love could remember, no wrongs we have done. Omnition, unknowing, he counts not their son Thrown into a sea without bottom or show. Our sins, they are many, his mercy is more.
5: A few weeks ago I had the trip of a lifetime walking where Jesus walked in the land of Israel and I will never be the same we had a guide whose name was Hani. he was a Palestinian Christian and before he would let us enter into any site he would say in a really quiet voice come come and see come we did and we were amazed will you pray with me Lord of all the nations and the lands and languages, those are the very words you've been saying to us since the day we were born. Come, come and see what I have for you. When our hearts are breaking from grief, when our our lives are overwhelmed with sadness, you say to us, come, come and see the comfort and the healing I have just for you. When we're so ashamed of the things we did or the things we didn't do, you whisper again, come, come and see. There's mercy, there's grace, there's forgiveness just for you. And God, on these days when we're living in a world that seems absolutely turned upside down, you ask us again to come and see, come and see the rest. Just come to my arms and rest and I'll give you peace. And you don't have to worry because I am the Lord your God. And God, on those days when we've lost our way, and we wonder, why in the world do you love us? You look at us again and say, Come and see, come to a cross where I I gave my son just for you to die for your sins because I loved you that much. Come and see. Just three little words that have the power to change lives forever, for eternity. So, God, take all that we are and all that we have and help us to keep calling. Come and see. Come and see what the Lord has done. Come and see what the Lord can do. And we will, and we will be amazed. I pray this in the name of your sweet son, Jesus. Amen.
6: times like these there's a voice of fear that will tell us to close our hands to hoard supplies and hoard money to make sure that our needs and those of our family are met but the voice of faith reminds us that we are people of hope one of my favorite scriptures is in psalm the 33rd chapter but the eyes of the lord are on those who fear him on those whose hope is in his unfailing love to deliver them from death and to keep them alive in famine. We are not called to be fearful. We are called to demonstrate our hope as we continue to to faithfully give and serve and pray. Since we're not together today, we can't pass offering plates, but there are several other ways that you can give. You can mail a check or drop it by the office. You can give through the website, SnyderNBC.com, by clicking on that tab in the right-hand corner the Giving and Tithing tab. And if you have the Church Life app in your phone, you can click on the Give button, and it will give you instructions. Don't let fear rob you of the joy that comes from being faithful and generous. Let me say that again. Don't let fear rob you of the joy that comes from being faithful and generous. Here are the final words of that same chapter. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust his holy name. May your unfailing love rest upon us, O Lord, as we put our hope in you. Amen.
0: All right. Thank you so much for being with us uh, today, um, gathering wherever you are. And we pray that you would uh, go with the hope And as John said, the assurance and the peace of the good news of Jesus Christ. Go in peace.